0: Rosh Hashanah Yeshiva with Berman Shlitah, Moran Rabanan, Rabboseid. Of course, here this evening to mark the approaching Shloshim of Moran Rabbeinu and Ravagon of Zun Chalap, Zichrona Brachet. The Chalap's imprint in our Yeshiva and on the Talmudim of our Yeshiva was felt for many, many decades. The Talmudim or the president of the Yeshiva should know that much of the way the Yeshiva is structured and functions to this day, which you benefit from, was due to the efforts and the mechanisms that our Chalap, al put into place. But everybody who was here during the years when he served, for so many years, so many decades, that he served as the manal and a Dean of reitz, uh, felt his presence, felt his guidance, and understood the tremendous contribution that he made to our Yeshiva. I first met Rabbi Chalap, directly anyway, in the late 1970s, when I entered the yeshiva. I had a meeting with him, as all incoming Talmidim the yeshiva had. And as I remembers, these big green ledgers, in which he wrote down, not sure what he wrote, but he wrote different things down about the meeting that he was having with you. Uh, he knew my father, Al-Rasholm, um, my father was a professor of English here in the yeshiva college for many years, and in those days, Rabbi Chalap, people may remember, Rabbi Chalap not only was the Dean of Manala Reitz, but he was also a professor of American history in Yeshiva College uh, for a number of years. And uh, people have to realize, in addition to his godless in Torah and learning, and as a darshan, as a rub, and as a minal, Rabbi Halap was also a very worldly person. Again, he taught American history for a number of years. I didn't happen to have him as a teacher, but he was an American history professor. Anyway, what he said to me when I first met with him, he said to me, You're an anacle of Ramoshale as a Shapiro, which I am, my mother and grandfather. Moshe Eliezer Shapiro was a rob in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in the days before they had casinos. It was a major Jewish resort at that time. And uh, that's my mother's grandfather. And what was more interesting in terms of Rabbi Chalap was that he told me, which I knew, that uh, Moshe Aleister Shapiro's grandfather was named Rabbi Michel Michal Shapiro, Michel Shapiro, Michel Shapiro, from the old Yeshua in Yerushalayim, who was the rebbe of rabbi Chalap's famous grandfather, Rabbi Moshe Chalap. So he always, I guess, had an affinity to me as being an enical of his famous Zetas, uh, Rebbe. And uh, he would always regale me with stories, as he did many people on different subjects. He'd tell me stories about the old Yeshua Yerushalayim, and about the Be'akim Moshe Chalap, and Rabbi Hirosh Moshe Shapiro. So we had that uh, kind of a bond, uh, just over that. If I had to just pick one word, and the other Maspidim here will go into detail to sort of characterise my impression of Rechalab, it's, it's the word pride. And I don't mean pride in any way in the negative sense of gaiva, but I mean proud of who he is, proud of his, it's always talked about, Zaydah, the pride that he had being a grandson of Rebekah Moshe Chalab. He had a sense of pride, proud of his own accomplishments, proud of our yeshiva, proud of our yeshiva's talmidim. And that's really what you felt. He was a man who exuded a sense of being proud of who he is as a Talmud Chocham and who he is as a Manhig and what he wanted his Talmud to become, Talmud Yeshiva. In those days, it was before there were any texts and tweets and emails and so on, he used to send out letters from time to time to Yeshiva students. The letters always began, my dear Talmud, that's how the letters started. As a side point, where Chalapi would always date the letter based on the Parsha's Shavuah, but he didn't indicate the name of the Parsha. Right? This week was Parsha's Tumah, he didn't say, Yom uh, Heilip Parsha's Truma, but rather, Yom Heilip Par. and he would have some phrase, some um, some message, whatever, you take a famous phrase from the Parsha. And that became a little bit of a game that some of us tried to figure out when his next letter was coming, what's going to be the phrase he's going to cite from this particular Parsha. I remember one time we had to present an argument, something we wanted to accomplish as Talmidim. So it was the week of uh, Parashas told us, and we were upset about something that needed to, to, to be taken care of. And we wanted to take care of, as Parashas told us, we wrote in the letter, Yom Be'ez El seder loma Anochi. Right? Him came, loma right? And uh, he responded a couple weeks later, it was, it was a Parashas Vayishlach. He wrote back, Yom, hey, whatever it was, Said seder hamachana, nisho'lifleta. <laughs> that was his response. Another time, I wrote him something it was Parsha Shmos. I wrote the Yom Seder, Tzeder Loi Zvarmanoki. <laughs> he wrote back Anochi <laughs> it, 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 uh, it was that was part of his banter. But he always wrote in his letters, "My dear Talmud," because he viewed the Talmudim of, of the Arizshira as his Talmudim, and we were. And we may not have heard regular shirun from him. We did get these letters. We got the sense, at least I'm speaking to myself, and I imagine many others as well, that we sensed that he was a man who was proud of who he was, proud of what he accomplished, proud of where he came from, and as I say in terms of Talmudim here, proud of this yeshiva. And that's really my own personal recollection in terms of our that's the one word, and not in the sense that superciliousness or haughtiness or conceit in that way, not at all. But in the sense of of a Jew and a ben Torah, and a Talmud yesh- a yeshiva should be proud of who he is and what he can accomplish, and what he has accomplished. That was the message, I think, Rabbi Chalaps, and Rabbi Rocha, conveyed to many of us. And that's why, personally, it's a tremendous covenant to me has to just uh, introduce this evening's program. And at this time, it's a great pleasure to call upon my esteemed colleague and good friend, Rabbi Yaakov Neuberger, Shita, to to emcee the rest of the program.
1: Thank you very much. Moshes Hanasi. Maron and Ravon. I'm very grateful, my family is very grateful, to Rabbi Kalinsky for organizing both the Masha'as Masa, the Esfadim of Levaya, and this evening as well, and to Rabbi Rakoff, who, when, uh, together with I think Rabbi Jordan Arbach, who in a very short period of time has already collected the Esfadim that were given at the uh, time of the Levaya, and have published them in, in a way in which people will read them and, and appreciate or gain an appreciation of Rav Chalab. Probably the person who had the opportunity to watch Rav Khalaf most closely more than even family is Rav Chaim who for decades partnered with Rakhalap in the programs of the yeshiva, in planning for yeshiva, in directing the Talmidim, and making sure that the Talmidim stay on task and on course. And therefore it's a great covenant to have Rav Ronson begin the for this evening.
2: Connection with, uh, with him began really much earlier. In my sophomore year at Yeshiva College, he became the replacement instructor for a survey course in American history to which I was registered. The class met later in the day when it became harder to focus, but he was a lively energetic teacher on his feet, prancing around the room, obviously enjoying the lecture he was presenting with enthusiasm and a flair for the dramatic and in the process keeping us not only engaged, but is sometimes really enthralled. He brought that same enthusiasm uh, at de Viv, to his role as Menahel of NYP in Ritz. He enjoyed the position even though it was difficult in the best of times and seemingly impossible in more challenging times. Rachavach's leadership was guided by fundamental principles of Torah and, and Chesed. He had a passion for Torah. He contributed to every single Torah journal each and every year that it came out, the Beis Yitzvah, the Kol Svi, the Beis Yosim Shol, and even in those years when we put out a a Tanakh journal, he contributed to that as well. His desk and his table always piled high with svarim, aside from the bookcases which were overflowing with svarim and history books. As needed, he would order more svarim from Goddismen Library, but somehow they never made it back to the stacks. It was hard for him to part with the safer. It was hard for him as well to part with Talmudim and Rebbeim. He enjoyed being with them, talking and learning or more generally, and it was easier to enter his office than it was to leave. While he could hold his own with the Rashi Yeshiva and visiting Torah personalities, he was at the same time an exceptional darshan. His ideas were creative and his language eloquent. He regularly received calls from rabbinic colleagues, especially before Yom Tovim asking for his brochures, which he was only too happy to share. He could regale people with uh, fascinating stories of earlier days of Waiu or in the Bronx, and he was able to capture a whole whole era with his stories. Uh, One one of the ones that I remember remember most, uh, he was describing the the Bronx in, in the 1930s and 1940s and he was always proud to say that the Bronx at the time was the largest Jewish community in the world, 500,000 to 750,000 Jews. It was uh, amazing. Bigger than Tel Aviv, they said. And uh, the, in, in, in the East Bronx, where, where he grew up, there was a, well, there was a prominent shul. And uh, for young Narayan, they could have 1,000 2,000 people in the shul. These were Eastern European immigrants. Uh, not necessarily religiously observant, but very traditional, and they were very, very interested in in and in chazanim. And this show, in order to accommodate the the population, hired one of the the top chazanim at the time. And he told me that people related to the chazanim the way the way young people do to pop stars today. And so came down in the They they hired this this top fellow, and. Uh, and he was really, really good. You know, he came with a funny hat with a pom pom on top, the way they used to wear. And uh, he he did the Hidinie, and then he did the Chasid Kaddish, and then uh, they settled into the, the congregation, began davening the, the Shloshim on whatever Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, whatever it was. And uh, but after a while, everyone seemed to observe that the Hasan was not davening. He was looking at his music sheets, he was playing with his tuning fork, but he wasn't davening. So finally the president of the shul went up to the chasen and he said, what, what, what's going on, you're not davening. So the chasen responded, I'll say it first in Yiddish and then translate, say, they're paying me only for one dollar. <laughs> so that gives you, a, gives you a sense of what, the, what, what American Jewry, Orthodox Jewry was like in, in, in that period of time. Our former president, Richard Joel, once referred to Rav as one of the great wordsmiths regarding his ability to tell a story, to speak more formally, and as well as his, his tremendous writing ability. Rav had a passion also for chesed. This is reflected not only in the many Meshulachim who never left his office empty-handed, but in the constant stream of Rebem and Talmudian who came to unburden themselves. Rabbi Chalap's office was an oasis of chesed, and I think in time this impacted on all of IU. I recall, as a student, being totally intimidated from entering certain offices, but the Ritz office, because of Rabbi personality, had a totally different orientation. He instructed, indeed, if not in word, that we were there to help Talmidim, to help Rebbeim, to assist B'nai Torah in reaching their full potential. Chesed for Rav Kalap had many manifestations. Placing Talmidim in the right shear to enable them to learn best, that was a tremendous chesed. Ensuring that each Rebbe, despite the passing of the years, had a viable shear, became a chesed not only for the Rebbe, but for the Talmud who experienced that Rebbe. Finding funds amidst uh, all the various budgetary prices, crises that we had over the years to enable students to remain in yeshiva, another tremendous asset. And perhaps uh, being a father figure to many Talmudid may have been the greatest asset of all. Let me, let me give you an example. There was a Talmud about Shuba who asked the Sirah Pahlah before Yom Neroim. He knew at the Midnight Yisrael that parents blessed their children, especially before Yom Kippur and because of his background, he had no one to give him a bracha, so he asked Rabbi Harlap if he would fulfill that parental role for him. Of course, Rabbi Harlap tearfully acceded to his request and gave this young man a bracha with such feeling as if he were speaking to his own child. Every year, for many years afterwards, that talmud would call me with all Arab to get another bracha over the phone. There was another Talmud, an older buffer, who finally seemed to have found the good shiruch. The problem was that as time drew near for him to propose, he became hesitant and wasn't sure how to proceed. After hearing him out, the Falaf asked him one question, but not a question that a Rosh Hashiva would ask, not a question that a Menahiel might even ask, but a fatherly question Do you love her? The student answered yes, and before long they became engaged, and, and Baruch Hashem, they were married. There was a Rebbe decades ago who was unsure if he really wanted to remain in yeshiva. Actually, he began teaching in an out-of-town yeshiva at the beginning of their muzman, but quickly realized that he'd made a, a terrible mistake and wanted to return to his position here. The president of YU at the time, understandably, would not hear of it. Rakhala, however, had rachmanus on this Rebbe, who had acted rashly and pleaded his case to the president. We told the president, of force your rights. we do not owe this Rebbe anything as he left it his own volition. However, the false month at Waiyuh had not yet begun, there was no elders man yet. We should view the Rebbe's few weeks teaching elsewhere like a summer position. The argument and Rav Rab- Chalap's sincere caring and the Rebbe's contrition swayed the president and the Rebbe returned to his regular shir. Rabbi Chalap not only saved the Rebbe's job, but in all likelihood saved his life. And the Rebbe went on to successfully teach a generation of Talmudim here at Yeshiva. One of Rabbi Chalap's most perilous undertakings occurred early in his tenure as Menahem. In the annals of Yeshiva, it is known that there was a period of pronounced tension between the Rav and Dr. Belfin's the nu to such an extent that for a period of time they were not in speaking terms. Rav felt that this was an untenable situation both for them and for the yeshiva. But how could one relatively new in his and much younger than them approach such giants on so delicate a matter and not be consumed in the process? Even Moshe Rabbeinu who expressed fear, when confronted by the Baloch in Notwithstanding his well-founded trepidation, Rav Chalap was able to effect a, re- a reconciliation of which both leaders benefited as the yeshiva as a whole. So to Rav Chalap's midos of chesed, I would also add geburah. I hope that some of my recollections and the vignettes I've presented will give you a bit of insight into Rav Chalap, and perhaps some appreciation of the giant that we have lost, the Hizif Rolvers.
1: Thank you so much. Tonight's his uh, highlights my father-in-law's recognition of unique talent whenever he came across it and how he devoted himself to encourage that talent, and to nurture. During the shiva, our family learned of countless people whose learning and Zavodos HaKodosh all came as a result of Rav Chalav's confidence in them and his dedication to making that grow. And as a result our Chalap was uh, the person who was dedicated to Hamil Chachamim, to Mefit Torah, to maintaining the Mesorah, and always had his eye on how he can advance both the Yechidim and the Tzibur at the same time. The Mesheshiv that we will hear from now, in turn, are all very dedicated, each in their own way. They all became dedicated Rosh Yeshiva, much loved by their Talmidim, and enormously dedicated investing hours and hours. So first hear from our Roland wife, who over the years became a very dedicated confidant to Rav Chalap, and as a result forged a very unique relationship.
3: Let me begin first by um, <clears throat> acknowledging the presence of the family members, uh, Rav Chalap's devotion, his uh, exceptional pride in the members of his family uh, was so integral to who he was. And uh, also let, let me just uh, express a little bit of Akar Satov. I'm honored really to be able to share Ma'at um, Mizair, just a, a little bit of my own special regard deep respect, and uh, special relationship and friendship that I was able to develop with Rav Zvon, then Rav Yechil Michal, Chalatata, whose legacy generally, and of course the indelible impact that he had on our yeshiva more particularly, um, is so vast. I'd like to put uh, the words that I want to say about Rav Chalat personally, you know, in the framework of a very brief discussion of the principle of Avas Hashem, the love of the Rabboni Sheba. In some respects, in terms of its prominence and the role that it plays, the first active mitzvah in the Torah, I don't mean chronologically, but in the other respect, uh, beyond belief itself, Anochi Hashem alokecha and Yichud Hashem, which of course simply define our theological foundation, is the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, the love of the Rebona Understandably, as it embodies the necessary and yet almost impossible aspiration of cultivating an intense bond with akanish Baruch Hu, which, of course, is the raison d'etre, the purpose of life for individuals and for the world at large. This prominence is reflected, of course, in the Rambam's decision in Sefer Mitzvos to count the mitzvah of Avas Hashem as the third mitzvah, immediately after Anochi Hashem Alokecha and Yichud Hashem. Um, in Hilchos Yisodei HaTorah, in the very beginning of um, Sefer Mada in Yad HaChazaka, in Perig Beis, Halakha Aleph and Beis, again, immediately after establishing the necessary theological foundation, the Rambam immediately turns to the principle of Avas Hashem and significantly in conjunction with Yura Hashem as well. The challenge, of course, of this mitzvah is how to cultivate, given the philosophical conundrum of any kind of connection with the Boreolam, whose omnipotence, we don't even have the kind of language that can accurately describe his actions, certainly not his essence. How is it possible to cultivate or develop a love relationship, a passion for the revolution? And the Sifre, and then much later on the Rambam, address this issue. Yet the Rambam's presentation appears to be atypically peculiar, complex, subject to contradictions when it comes to this indispensable foundation. We encounter two different sources in the Rambam. On the one hand, in Sefer Mitzvos, Mitzvah Gimel, the Rambam emphasizes classical Torah and Mitzvos as the foundation for developing this indispensable, seemingly impossible relationship. The Rambam says, "A Mitzvah Shlishis La'avo Yisale V'nisanei V'hasagaso Zosi and the Rambam goes on to describe every word as golden in his description. At the same time, in Yadah in Hilvos Torah, there the Rambam's emphasis is quite different. There the Rambam, instead of emphasizing Talmud Torah and mitzvos, he focuses on Pu'ulosav and Pu'ulosav um, Shalak Ganesh Baruch. Perak Aleph, Hilchah Sisoni HaTorah, Halakha Aleph and base. the Raman says, Ekel, Anechbat, V'hanora, Mitzvah Le'ahavo, Uli Yiroso, he conjoins them, it, which itself is telling. The Heichi Aderech Lavoso V'yiroso, B'Sha'chi Zbonin Ha'adam V'ma'asav, when man reflects on the Rabboni Shlalom's Actions who brew of and his creations, including man, So the question is, why is it that the Rambam in these two critical venues presents two seemingly very different methods, sources for avas Hashem? Moreover. The systematic Rambam, Rambam typically organizes meticulously. If he speaks about a topic, he speaks about it in one place. But when it comes to Avas Hashem, he diffuses his treatment of the topic throughout Yad Ha-Hazaka, several times in Sefer Manda, at the end of the fifth chapter of Pilchot Sisoni Torah, with the in Maseket Yoma. HaDach Pei Bovs says is the interpretation the Rama codifies that in the end of the fifth chapter of Sodiat Torah, the foundation for Kiddush Hashem, somebody who's a true ambassador for Torah is somebody whose conduct and behavior, um, even unselfconsciously, triggers a great appreciation for the Rebbe Sholom and the values of Torah and Halakha. And again, in the tenth chapter of Hilchos Tshuva. The Rambam turns his attention in a very stirring passage to what it means to be oved as Hashem be'ava. Ha oved says the Rambam. Ose ha emes mitleishu emes tova, lavo beglala. The king said, Ava Haruhuya haruuya sheyehav Ava Hashem avah gadola yisera azam oved a fierce love." Achite nafsho shura, almost an obsessive love and Rambam argues that the love of the Rebbe Shalom is intended to surpass even physical love in an obsessive way Why is it that the usually meticulously focused Rambam when it comes to Avos Hashem not only presents different foundations but also spreads his treatment of the topic And then, of course, it's self-evident, the second of the Rambam's books in Yad HaChazaka is Sefer Ava, which follows immediately after his stirring description of Avas Hashem in the 10th chapter of Hilkas Tshuva, and uses the slogan, Torah Taurasecha Koleyom Hissichasi, begins with Hilkos Kriyashma, which of course is the source the Ahafta Sashab al-Kachha, immediately after Yichud Hashem and Barashem Kebod Mahusod, we have the Ahafta Sashab al-Kachha and its tremendous range, Bakalabka, Bakal or Bakalniodha. But the solution lies in the nature and central role of Ava. Ava, by definition, is not something that be, can be constrained to one particular application or manifestation, and even as organizational genius as the Rambam couldn't have, but more important, because he understood this, wouldn't have tried to pigeonhole Abbas Hashem. Impassioned and overflowing, as the Rambam describes Abbas Hashem in Sefer HaMitzvot, not subject to narrow or confined expression. The Rambam, in Nicholas Tshuva, talks about this overflowing, uncontainable, almost obsession, the Rambam Sefer Mitzvah speaks about Kiruv as something which isn't even necessarily an intentional agenda, but something that flows naturally from the zest, exuberance, and enthusiasm of Abbas Hashem. In Ilta Sissotia Torah the Rambam is telling us that even ordinary, daily, seemingly prosaic behavior is basically dictated by one's Abbas Hashem qualifying one as an appropriate ambassador and exemplar of Torah. Indeed, while primarily rooted in and cultivated by Torah and by mitzvot, as in Sefer mitzvot, it's inconceivable that the shefa, the overriding, one of the names that say, sorry, overflow, doesn't also establish itself in the fascination with nature, metaphysics, history, Human nature, as the Rambam describes in *Hoshei Soletan*, there is no stira between the Rambam's two presentations. In *Sefer Mitzvos*, he captures the essence, and in *Yad HaChazaka*, which dictates a vast *Kol Kula* approach, that's where the comprehensiveness of Jewish life is outlined. The Rambam diffuses appropriately *Abba Hashem* throughout the *Sefer*, dedicating the second precisely to this theme. Indeed, Sefer Ava's Kriyashima and its range, Bechol Avadka, Bechol Bechol Chazal's understanding of the importance of that range reinforces the point. Arav Kalap was the quintessential Ohev Hashem in all of these respects. He truly embodied the wide and eclectic range unequivocally rooted in and stemming from the core of classic, as the Ramah writes in Sefer and Mitzvot, HaShem, Torah and Mitzvos, but at the same time extending to every facet of his very rich, very multifaceted life. Each of the different manifestations of Abba, as well as their common denominator, was magnificently embodied, and I have to say, very unself consciously, which made it so much more powerful, by Rav rabbi The palpable passion, the exuberance, the simcha sachayim, which you've heard already quite a bit about, the Rambam uses language in Sefer Mitzvahs that we wouldn't expect from an intellectual experience. Ta'anug, ta'ava, fritzbar Hashem, Toroso, Rosso In both of these, Ava Hashem was manifested in the life of Rebzvol and Chala. The Sefer Mitzvos rendition, the Hilkos Tshuva variation, and the Asodi HaTorah, each one characterizes his focal points, and of course Hilkos Tshuva, the intoxication with Torah and the Rabboni Sholam, one who truly revels in the wonders of the Bria and life. Let me just for a couple of minutes focus on each. Let's start with Sefer Mitzvahs, Torah Mitzvahs. Avchalat, as we know, was born into a royal rabbinic family. His family, Masorah, defined him always. But as we also know, Torah is not a Yerusha, and his personal love for learning, we heard Rabbi Bronstein just a moment ago, and the wide range of what learning means was truly astonishing. Rabbi Willig mentioned this at the Levaya, Rabbi Bronstein a second ago, you would enter Rav Chalap's office, you never knew what time you would exit. And partially it was because of this Avasat The initial goal always morphed into a delightful, fascinating discussion, a vort, an insight, a mahalach, whatever, Kolayom and it couldn't wait. Its vast scope was truly realized very naturally. It was very special to visit Rav Chalap, I had many occasions to do so, he was very charming, the friendship was very uh, special, but this was not always time efficient for him as the administrator of REITs. It didn't matter. Either he couldn't, or he didn't want to rein it in. It was so much an integral part of his overflowing personality, and it profoundly captured his focus, his passion, and his love for Torah. His devotion to the family, Masora, and particularly his father's continuing impact, was something that was omni-evident. The svarim of his father, or sometimes the kisveyad that the family was working on, he was particularly enamored with the handwriting. I once brought him a sample of my grandfather and great-grandfathers. We were both impressed how they never cross out. These were ubiquitously present in his office and part of his continuing chakra he told me, a very remarkable thing, that he learned or talked in learning with his father every day of his life once he became an adult until his father's Petira. Of course, his grandfather, the Zeda and the Bezvul figured prominently as well. But he was also extremely proud of his own creativity. He perceived that also as part of the family mesora, And he was a particular believer, and I agree with him, in serendipity, in hashkocha, in Torah and insight. He would marvel, as he did about everything, about the fact that a certain insight came to him because it just so happened that someone came into his office or his safer fell off the shelf, and so on. The joy and the excitement of Dvar Hashem was palpable, a powerful force in his life. That joy and the creativity, that sense of adventure, was reflected in his writing of Mamari. I'm sure we'll hear more from Rabbi Zatz. Yamin, a perfect name, reflecting the Sefer HaMitzvot's perspective of an overview. The process was extensive. Rabbi Bronstein, a couple minutes ago, described you know, the desk and the table, Svarin everywhere. Um, typically, most people, when they write a mimer, they write an article, so they have a certain idea, they think about it, they refine it, and then they write it not Rav Chalat. the writing was a creative process, and the direction changed in the middle. Books were strewn everywhere, for weeks, on the table, on the desk, frenzied trips to the library, Rabbi Bronstein also mentioned, when he had an insight to explore, and he was proud of the changes from the initial trajectory and his capacity for Kiddush. Excited, we would get phone calls, many of us, updating, you know, he just found a Rambam, he found a language in Sefer Mitzvahs, the sense of wonder on these serendipitous discoveries. All a tremendous reflection of Yediyah Sashem and Ava Hashem. And of course, his legendary procrastination, only matched by my own, in submitting the memorial. We were partners, complicit, co-conspirators, as the final two submissions, every single time. I would invariably get a call from Rav Chalap saying, you didn't hand in your article yet, please don't. And don't tell them that you're really finished, if you are. This would push off the pressure just a little bit. His divrei Torah, though, were neither conventional nor predictable. They were highly individualistic, I'm sure we'll hear from Rabbi Zatz. And even within the body of his own Torah, and this is so typical of Rav Chalap, My analysis, please. Very eclectic, in sources, in direction, very Rabbi Chalapian, as we used to say. His passion for Torah, his deep conviction that the quality of learning was the key to a dynamic Jewish life, motivated his Herculean efforts in the yeshiva, and, as Rabbi Neuberger just mentioned in his introduction, to foster young men Getting the opportunity to grow as somebody Chachamim, the impact that that had. Rav Chalab used to say very often, Rabbi Berman mentioned this in his Divrei Hespen, that the yeshiva is Velazhen in the morning and in the afternoon, and for the Kolel all day long. And Junzman is velazhin. Sof Softavar Hakol Nishma, the missives that he used to send out. He had a very special relationship with the Kolel Elio not so well-known because a kol isn't so large, but for him, it was a very crucial aspect of his life. Securing the proper framework to begin with, making sure that there was a kol in the yeshiva, the shemel of Sefaris, was a formidable task which he pursued with impressive determination and total integrity, and which has been rewarded with transformative impact on the community and the yeshiva. Rabbi Chalap was a ferocious warrior. Rabbi Willing spoke a little bit about it as well. Many hidden battles and no ego, but a clarity of purpose and principled agenda. Arpais Medrash, community, Klal Yisrael owes a great debt for that principled vision and its strenuous implementation. His devotion to the most advanced level of Talmud Torah and development of Yantar Medich was reflected in his insistence to come every single week, even if only for a few minutes, to the chaburas that were given in the kola, notwithstanding, obviously, his extremely overpacked schedule. For him, this was an urgent priority. Middle states were coming, didn't matter. He had a meeting with the President, it didn't matter. Somehow, he showed up every Thursday at some point in the middle of a chabura, And he didn't just show at some point during the presentation, he you know, participated. He insisted on receiving Bakoros in advance, and when he was attended, vigorously was involved, always with us. He could come right in the middle. He didn't hear the beginning or the end, but he was there and he was contributing. A svara, a ha'ara, a comment. Sometimes it was a story, a reminiscence, something relevant, something from the Aderet or Ravkuk or the Zeda or the Nazir, anything. There was never a Chabura that Rav Chalap didn't make a comment, And that reflected, of course, not only his Avas Torah but his Ava for these young Tavari Chachameh. He developed special bonds with these Avreichim. It was natural that he hosted the annual Chanukah chagiga or attended any Kolo celebration or meeting, either at Rav Willig or at my home, relaxed opportunities in which he could share his singular perspective on a broad array of issues or regale us with his personal experiences. When he became dean emeritus, he formalized his continued relationship with the kola. He wanted it to be put down contractually that he continued to have a special relationship with the kola. This sirus nefesh issued, I don't think, mostly from duty or certainly it was from conviction, but more telling, it was out of pure joy, out of the tanug and the taiba that the Rambam speaks of, this profound self-identity and the Sipcha Nefesh that he received from seeing the growth of Yom Tamadich HaKhamid. Often he would follow up with them or I'd get a call when he had some ha'ara or he wanted to make a comment about his assessment of the presentation. His involvement was just incredible. Mahafti Torah se'cham. But there was another aspect to Rav Chalap as well. The Huchos Yisodei Torah aspect of Abbas Hashem. His capacious intellectual curiosity, his great Abbas Abrios, these flowed unselfconsciously also from his immense Abbas Hashem, as the Rambam describes it. His range of interests, he could write about, get excited about quantum physics and black holes somehow, yeah, he saw them in the psukim, or in a parish, or in an uklus. Of course, American history, he loved American history. He was very disappointed when the administrators curbed him from teaching American history. He felt that America was a very idealistic country. He was a particular fan of of Lincoln, as some others are. His pride in the shul journals that he used to put out, which often succinctly weighed in on cultural issues and were an outlet for, again, his capacious curiosity. Rav Chalap my opinion, was the greatest advocate or ambassador of the yeshiva to the university, and vice versa, of course, the university to the yeshiva. He and I served together on a search committee for the presidency. That's a story in its own right. But his involvement, to me, was an eye-opener. A combination of charm and respect for colleagues and others who maybe had Different and I would say less full understanding of the mission of the yeshiva, combined with tremendous tenacity, the capacity for fresh shared language without compromising principles, and that's where Abkhalab was. This facet of his personality defined him completely. He had a certain sense of wonder and of adventure. I mean at the Levaya people spoke about his optimism, even his idealism, absolutely. But it was more than that. It was a sense of wonder and adventure. His legendary stories, which have been mentioned by many, you can't not have experienced them if you knew Rav Khalaf. I remember wondering at one point, like how do all these remarkable things happen to Rav Khalaf? It's true that he traveled a lot and to exotic places, for hashkochas and other things, and that was also part of his adventurous nature, but it still intrigued me, and then I realized at one point that his wondrous perspective on the Bria and on the world, it gave him insight into things. He noticed things that other people didn't notice. It flowed exactly from that idealism and that sense of optimism. He was eternally youthful. There was no generation gap at Rabcharlau. Kalap was a contemporary of my father's, and we were fast friends, very quickly, once I got to know him. He was vigorous, he was energetic, he was deshenin ranin. He saw magic in the remote Hashem world. His sense of humor was part of that sense of wonder. And his exotic travels which exposed him to flawed human beings and a wide range of associations through his shul, involved with Ashkochas, just the interactions that he kept picking up, the things that he immensely enjoyed. They reflected a certain generosity of spirit that he had, a certain adivut. Of course, he was generous, so there were Mishulachim standing at the door. That is all true. But more than that, his sense of avas Abrios, his fascination with the diversity of humankind, his being impressed with talents that were very distant from his and he necessarily wouldn't want to cultivate, but just being impressed with them, uh, was something that was a part of his extended avas hashem and his fascination with the bria, as the Ramadan describes it. In these interactions he garnered tremendous respect for Torah, from people very far, from knowledge and commitment, and again in a very natural way, this spilled over into remarkable resilience, personal resilience, his ability to overcome adversity, pain, sadness, and remain not just functional, not just constructive, but optimistic and idealistic, and to maintain that wondrous, sometimes even naive, although he was a very pragmatic very much a man of the world at the same time. He had a certain indomitable spirit of persistence, physical injuries and limitations. Nothing could keep him down. We were always worried when he was racing with his crutches or his cane. I know the family was worried as well. But his vaunted independence and his self-image of being energetic and youthful, these were part of his sense of wonder and his appreciation, his fascination, his intoxication with the life that the Ribbonish had created. This sense of adventure was at the core of his exuberance, his Sivka He was simply bedazzled by the world that the Parashvara had created. As the Dean of Rites, he encountered numerous challenges, Rabbi Bronstein made reference, not least of which was shepherding the Yeshiva, a complex place on a good day, as a kind of Velazhen through the complex never a dull moment thicket of Torah Mada and a very diverse and opinionated community. He also had to address with empathy and generosity how to integrate older Rabbeim, Rabbeim from Europe in some cases, Rabbeim who didn't speak the language, into the Yeshiva and the lengths that he went to to shower respect and to enable those Rabbeim to continue to have impact and also self-confidence, was extraordinary. It wasn't always appreciated, I have to say, uh, but it was extraordinary. His sense of Hirashonayim, which flowed from his Avas Hashem, as the Rambam formulates, really kicked in on those situations, enabled this very talented, very accomplished, proud, spiritually ambitious man to regulate his ego, in a magnificent way, in numerous situations and ongoing interactions, to sustain his generosity and his gentle approach. He was, um, additionally, an amazing mentor, as Newberger mentioned before, to younger rabbis. Instead of keeping them down or reminding them of their age, all he could do was foster opportunities. I have great Hakar hatov for my own tenure in the yeshiva. And, of course, it was something that grew into a very special friendship, which enriched my life greatly. His great love for and his optimism about the Talmidim, Mitzuyanim, a phrase that was used a lot at the Levaya, his Sefer note, his massive you know, record, as Rabbi Berman noted then, which was a reflection of the great respect and, and regard he had, for every student, Rav Chalap considered himself to be, as an administrator, very supple, a word that he liked to use, and creative. He proudly ran the entire enterprise of the Reefs and MYP, just with Rabbi Bronstein and, of course, Judy, whose role we'll speak of at another time. But his great love and respect for Rabbi Bronstein, I have to say, was also something to witness. A special bond that was inspiring, really, to uh, to be part of the mutual kavod and abba that they shared. Rav Khalat was a flexible administrator. His goal was to maximize individual growth and aspiration. At the same time, he was adamant and relentless when it came to anything that seemed to compromise the integrity or the quality of the learning. He was insistent on the residential the res the that, that there is a minimum residency requirement, and that was he, and that he was implacable. He considered that to be a matter of integrity. Rav Khalab himself, all of his life, associated with, was a proud Talmud of the yeshiva, was a transformational leader of the yeshiva, and his identification both with his family and the yeshiva and its history defined who he was. He believed very much in the lofty and attainable l'chadchil aspirations that this yeshiva uniquely embodies. And he was able to navigate the complexities and challenges entailing sacrificing his ego on many levels, lishma, in order to secure and to enhance those goals, as he would have said, Lahagdil, Torah, l'hadira. Avchalat was an original I think Rabbi Willing really used the expression sui generis in his estimate. Even as though, even, even as he was through and through a product of his family, he was an original in every way. His presence is already missed, but is unforgettable. As a cherished, irreplaceable friend, and as one whose impact in molding the seshiva is decisive and enduring indeed. He heeds a robot.
1: Uh Simon has a tight schedule. He's due to give a shoot downtown in a short time. Family very much, out of a sense, Mkveda Khorasa Tov. Simon was always attendant to Chalab, even in difficult times. And uh, it's a uh, recognition for that relationship that we're very happy that he will share with us in Rehazim.
4: Bishos Berman, Bisheshiva, Mishpacha, Talmide. We read in the Torah, Pashos Bishalach, Bishires Devorah, Dvoru And in that Shira is one pasik that resonates to me the persona of Moreno of Zwul Chalab Zatzal. Yivchar elokim Chadoshim says the Tara de Bay Ashrei Ashre mi shem is khadesh Ashrei is a person who has the ability to be Mechadish Divrei Torah, as the Gemara says, Ein Beis Medrash Beli Chidish. But Rabbi Chalaps Chidish and Divrei Torah, as a certain Rav once said, Chidushe Torah is not only in the learning, in the book learning, But it's also in halichas HaZolom. Recently, one of my Talmidim, Rabbi Moshe Tuchman, his daughter, got married to Rabbi Tanchum Cohen's son. And I was thinking back, when the shidduch was made in the chasana, you know, I was at this young man's bris. And I said, you know, that bris was the day after 9-11. The day after 9-11. And I was schmoozing with Rabbi Talcum about it, and then he reminded me, no, the day after 9-11... Manhattan, so um, Ein de No one could come in. You could smell from here the fumes from 9 11. No one could come in. The bridges were closed. Rabbi Tonkin Cohn's parents could not be at that bris. Unless you lived here in Manhattan. Here, New York, so Geras, um, But like Rabbi Hamko reminded me, there was only one person who was not in Manhattan who was able to come. And that was Rabbi Zulam Kallam. Because he realized that all the bridges were closed, but the one bridge, the Manhattan, the Washington Bridge from the Bronx, even though you couldn't drive past it, you could walk through, and sure enough, to the surprise of everyone, there was Rabbi Chalap at the Bris here, New York. So Gerasu so but it's Yivchar Elokim Chadoshem. Rabbi Chalap always knew the Kiddush. He knew where to go, what to respond, how to deal with the particular situation out of the box. Yivchar Elokim Chadoshem. And that, the Reboni Shololom, the Midas Hadid, Yivchar Elkim Chadashin, when he deals with Rabbi Chalak, you know what he says? banai. Nibana. Nitzchuh Nibana. There was once a Talmud of mine who came to the Yeshiva, and there was always a question, is he allowed to be in the S'micha program, he didn't, he didn't finish, he didn't have the proper degree, but Derval, they, they let him in, and he came to the shiur and he did well in all the Bechinas. And then, it was a question, you know, could we really give him Wayu smicha or not? So, and he was from the Sparta community, so, he said, you know what? Rabbi Ben Chaim will give him the Bechina. And you, Rabbi so, Simon, mean, you'll also be involved I'm the Spartac Carolyn uh, <laughs> O'Yachar uh, chair. And the fellow, you know, when he came to the Shiorim, he did he did well. This was years later. So you can't fault him. He didn't know every Machlogis and uh, Chanaan b'sharisurim, eh, never, so, so what are we going to do? So Rabbi like, said, but the date on the smicha is that previous date. That's the date that we're saying that he knew what he knew. So mamela Yivchar lokim chadoshim, ha banai. That's Rabbi Zvulam Chala. Always a sense of compassion A sense of how do we think out of the box to help this person? How do we think no one can come to the bris? Here in New York, so geras, I'm coming. I'll be there. Yivchar lo kim And that was the, who Rabbi Chalap was all about. In this week's parsha, we read about the kruvim. Pneim ishalochim and the different Pshatim and the meforshim, what that re- represents the Rebbe and the Talmud or two Talmudim Mechad and, zeh and zeh. but that was the relationship that we have myself who was a Talmud in Yeshiva Rebbe in Yeshiva it was as the Pasek in Mishle says Kemayim upon ha'ponim leva la why is it that all anybody would do anything for Rabbi Chala, the Talmidim, the Rebbeim, because they knew he would do everything for them. Kem, and that's Pneim Yishalochif. Kemayim Ponim Oponim. Rabbi Chalab had a sense of Kiddush. He had a sense of what the Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, he respected the, the Gedolah Yisrael of the previous generation. And he respected the Gedolah Israel that the, the American yeshiva, and especially this yeshiva, produced. I remember once we were driving to a Hasidim. There was once a bocher in the yeshiva. He was from the Satma community. usually doesn't happen. He was from the Satma community and he was was getting married somewhere near that area. And it was a shtickle snowstorm that night. And it was a long, it was a long mahalach. And we were in the car and Rabbi Chalap went from story to story. So he said, you know, I'll tell you something. When Ravar Liechtenstein's Azal was in Chaim Berlin, and he told Rav Hudner, I'm thinking of coming to Yeshiva Rabbeinu Yitzchak O'Connor. What was the reaction? He said, he was thinking, he says, You know, want tonight, one tonight, that you have to learn by the God Hador. Who's that? of Moshe Shatzkis, the Lomzherov, who's one of the bokhiniim here, when they had the famous oral mechinist, and Rabbi Chalam explained to me why was he considered the Godel hador. He was a, a massive talmuchachem, but in those days and even these days in certain communities, the Godel hador was the one who was maspid the previous Godel hador, and the only one to be maspid, for Chaim Oizer in Vilna was Rav Moshe Shatskis. He said, you go and learn by Rav Moshe Shatskis, then you have Rishus to come to YU. And that's what happened. He came, learned by Rav Moshe Shatskis, and then he learned by the Rav, and the rest is history. Chadoshim Gam Yishonim, to the Dor ovar the Bedola Yisrael, from all Avenues and especially the ones who ended up in this yeshiva and the chadashim, the new generation of learning that he was so proud of. Dodi <speaking> Lach <in Hebrew> he has tremendous love. Anida Dodi Lee. So as we think of the Zepronos of a Zulachalach, Yivchar Chadashim, always a Kiddush, learning a Kiddush and how to on this tight shop, a situation, how to do a Chesed, that where Midas Hadin, it's not so poshent. But Rabbi Chalap figured it out. Nitzchuri Banai. Chadoshim, Yishonim dodit Svan loch, We had a tremendous love for Rabbi Chalap I was Zocha in the last days whenever I was in Lakewood. Because I had someone who my shiru knew exactly where to go, what street to go down, and where to go in the side entrance of the, of the house and be able to, even those, those days that he wasn't the way he used to be, but I'm still Zocha. I figured, you know what? Who knows? He sees you. He has a name. Baruch Hashem, we were just Zocha to make a bar mitzvah. Send an invitation to Rabbi Challah. Is he going to come? Of course he's not going to come. But who knows, when he sees that, what Simcha Sachayim that can bring. We didn't forget you, Rabbi. We have that love for you. We have that love for you. We have that love for I
1: am extremely grateful to R.E. Zatz, who probably is most responsible for maintaining the legacy of Torah. That will be the legacy that Rav Khalap will leave in terms of his imprint in various texts and learning. And in doing so, Rav Zatz's dedication to my father-in-law was uh, something unparalleled the way that uh, he was able to address the, uh, the shifts and the insights as well as the perfectionism that of attached to anything that he did in particularly Di to, the Torah. great poverty from his acts.
5: Shush, you know, Shiva, the family. I really want to thank the family for this uh, opportunity that means a lot to me personally. It's uh, very difficult to try to find the proper words to be Masvid, a Rebbe, an adam Gado, a Master Darshan and Wordsmith that I thought perhaps the best way is to use his own words. So I'd like to share with you Two pages from the Shefa Yamin, the sefer that I had the zechus to work and to learn together with him, was actually when I, upon his uh, retirement from being the dean and being elevated to the dean emeritus, I spoke with Rabbi Newberger about the possibility of putting together a sefer in his honor, and uh, the suggestion was that there should be three volumes. The first volume, which was published as the Zevatov, would not include any of his writings. That way, we only had to wait for Rabbi Rosenzweig and not for Rabbi Karlaf in order to be able to publish it. The next would be a volume of his own, which was presented in raw form. And then the final one would be the stories. So, hopefully, somebody will, uh, will put that together because they really were truly special. But I think tucked away in the words are several of the special character traits. Of Mori, Virabi Rabzon, Chalap, Zatzal. From the Simen Lamid in the Shefi Yemen. And the topic of the piece is Kiddush Levana, Mana, Kiddush Levana after the time. There aren't so many stories that we often find in articles in a Sitzroch or a Koltsvi, except in Rabbi Chalap's writings. And it begins as follows, and I remember him telling me the story and then writing it and rewriting it and rewriting it. B'chodesh Shvat Shavar, last month, in the month of Shvat, the past month of Shvat, L'tza'ari lo v'ispakti l'kadeshes ha'lovana v'zman, unfortunate I was not able to be me'kadesh lavana at the right time. Kolaylo v'laylo v'chetshev v'ishom every night, at the beginning, for the first half of the month, ha'shamayim ha'yum there were clouds in the sky the last possible night in which we could still make the bracha, from the beginning of the evening until midnight, Geshem Murad, it was raining. I came back from a wedding. I got out of the car, and I went and I saw that in the cracks of the clouds, the moon was there. Alisi maherabais la havi siddr. So I ran up to the apartment of the Bronx to get a sitter in order to be Mikadesh Lavana. Acha Khazartia Futsa Kama Dakos Kshu Lod Nira Salvana. But the moon disappeared. Just listen to the language of Gati Valahti Ana Vahana Bikashtiya Velo Mitsotya. I searched, but I could not find the moon. I came back uh, down, the I'm gonna miss out, the big day and I changed into clothes to go to sleep. Already right. you see the power of the story, and he uniquely understood he can give over a message, to the story, but also the language. That picking the right words was essential in giving over the message. And then the story continues. a second time, and I saw it, the moon was there. And I put my coat on top of my pajamas, and I ran out. There was a, chibub, there was a love, there was a passion for an opportunity to do a mitzvah. But, the but it disappeared again. Because ran out to the the middle of Marginal Parkway, the uh, large pedestrian mall. We were at this adventure besoggan to the grassy area. and the shamios and nobles are to see the full vastness of the sky that may be there somewhere. You could see the moon. Aba low die his hearty, but I wasn't careful when it caught al manhole. And I tripped on a manhole that had not been properly returned to its face. Even though I felt the blood coming out of both of my knees, I wasn't concerned about a broken bone, Ran for two miles back and forth, but unable to find the moon again down, went back home. when I after I got home, Nigla the moon came out a third time. The of in the back of the house. It I fell again. And I'm lam rosa koa keivim shu chuberaglaim shakl the base bed was hurting, but I kept searching to do a mitzvah, an opportunity. I was so glad my palm was also matzasiyah salavanah, but I still was not able to find the moon. But layla the next evening, tezayin bishvat hashamayim mayu nekiem going on. It was a perfectly clear sky. Valavan alfirosa ayin odai som laya moon appeared. To still be full, even though I'd already passed the middle of the month. Technically, it had begun to diminish. Why did I care so much? Why was I so passionate? I had to find it that I even, and that's what the piece of Torah is about, because everything was through a lens of Torah. To make the bracha even after this man, as a perlechem si pur shlokilisiyo sovupog yako. Well, there's a story within the story, a story that he had not previously made public. Lifnear B'levichemeshonah, 45 years ago, B'niyar Rishon Yaakov Moshe, my first son Yaakov Moshe, Hashem zikni agon asadik, named for, again, as we've heard about, the Mesorah, the Zeder of Yaakov Moshe right, became very sick. Matsu Sartam Rosho found a um, tumor in his head. V'chola tibulim from one of the best doctors. Lohuilu didn't help. Ulam Hatzan Rufay Tzari Buffalo found a young doctor in Buffalo. Malei a lot of confidence that he would be able to save my son. Kamuvan is so we agreed. To go up and have another operation. the other doctor who was more well known. He's Said no way. But in a way, we had no choice. The surgery took place between kipur and sukos. Bani and I, together with my wife, stayed by his bedside. A few moments after the end of the first days of Sukkot, binenu hivsiklen shom, a child ceased breathing. Rofim mikolvenas besaflem harvus kimsa chadarinu. The doctors were coming from all over, from all the roads of Bichu Meitana l'tzis. They told us to leave vishchilu lavodlav, and they went to work on him. Acharei chatzis she'ah, after half an hour, rofim yatzuim paniyat zavoos. They came out with sad faces. Rav Amu Ganashun, iftar, veinod malasos. He had unfortunately passed away, and there was nothing left to do. Egal kaveh umar nafal aliyah. But also, rega shikanos hashmarah. As soon as we heard this terrible news, achas me achayos, and the other when the nurses came and said, "You have a phone call," sheyramdi shemadis kol abbas atzal shaul ishloma ben. And it was my father asking how his grandson is doing. I was crying and telling the terrible news. He wasn't paying attention. He wasn't saying, He didn't respond. asked me, I said to him, A moment ago my son died. Your grandson
4: died.
5: And all you could think about is Kiddish Bin covers and anyway, it's too late. It's after the first days of Sukkot. Hurim Eskolov, and he raised his voice, and he said, Im Odu Hukidah you didn't yet do it, Go out, and go out and be Mikadesh levana Levana. Zinaninos. But his father said to go out, and to be Mikadesh Kadish Levana. The Masorah. There were a lot of high buildings. You couldn't see the sky. Ratsi. Yosei, more than a mile. 50 to 20 minutes. Until I found the moon. And I said Kiddush Levana like my father told me. When I got back, I saw my wife. she seemed calm. She was coming to our team. Yaakov Moshe Chazar LaChayim. Yaakov Moshe Chayim. Yaakov Moshe came back to life. He's alive. Kol <laughs> They'd never seen anything like this. <laughs> He's still very very sick. <laughs> the chances of survival are low. <laughs> One week later. Passed away. But after that, just seeing the power of Kiddush Levana, I never missed it again. I never asked my father what the power is of Kiddush Levana. That somehow had the supernatural powers. To ask him why it is that he sent me out to do it after that time. That's the introduction to a piece. We're not going to learn the piece right now. But I think it reflects several critical qualities of Rav Chalap. First, the power of a story and how you can uniquely give over a message in a way that is not just entertaining but informative, and make Torah and make stories and lessons come to life when it is attached to a story. The beauty of language and how it chooses the right words to convey a message. That even when you use a synonym, the way you say it makes a difference. The chibah and zurizos for mitzvahs. It's not just another mitzvah. It's an opportunity to interact and to fulfill. The Ratzon of Hashem. The emotion you hear in the story. He had such sensitivity to every person who came in. He would cry with the Aniyim when they would tell their stories and then give them generously. And the focus on family. Anytime we had, when we were learning together and a member of the family called, the call went through. Didn't matter what we were in the middle of. He would sometimes say, Peshi, I'm learning, and hang up the phone... But he picked up the phone and the phone call went through. He had a love and to talk about his family, the family of the generations above and passing on that Masora and continuing it with the Nachas below. Just a little bit of who he was. There's so much more to say. The hour is uh, getting late. But it was a tremendous zuchus for me. It has greatly impacted my life and is really something that I think Hopefully that those in the yeshiva did not have the zechus of don take advantage of. Read his style of learning, the approach, the, the the vastness of the sources that he uses, the stories that make it into the footnotes, and in that way, not only will his legacy in terms of what he, we know that he's accomplished with yeshiva, but the Torah itself will be a legacy that will continue in our yeshiva. Teheinu shmasod zirah
1: Tomorrow night at the conclusion of the Shloshim our family will be gathering at our home and you'll listen to me and would we'll like to speak and I'm certainly invited to come to our home when the family gets together to share we'll thank all of you for joining us this evening and the balance of the night center please learning the Nishmas recording
4: stopped.